My name is Projeet Mukherjee, and welcome to Season 3 of On Soccer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the On Soccer Podcast. We have a very exciting guest today, someone who provided us with a lot of good memories in our inaugural Atlanta United season back in the day, which feels like so long ago now, but really was just yesterday. Um, he played in college for Furman um, and also is playing at FC Cincinnati now. Um, so welcome to the podcast. Please welcome goalkeeper Alec Khan. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to of it. Of course, man. Yeah, no, definitely appreciate you making the time. And you know, I guess like before we sort of get into like the nitty gritty of your career and stuff like that, we kind of like talk like to sort of get our guests like soccer origin story. So I'm I'm just wondering like when you were young, like you know, just like playing the game or just playing sports or whatever, were there like teams and players you look up to? Like when did soccer seriously become serious for you? Like what was that process like? Um, man, yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't super serious for me probably until I was about sixteen or seventeen, and even then, gotcha. you know thinking about what serious is for a 16 or 17 year old. Now it was completely right. different. Um, you know, we were aspiring to play in college and, you know, playing in front of a college coach or a few college coaches at a showcase was the first time that I felt like I was playing under pressure. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm from the Atlanta area, grew up, grew up playing um, for a small club around there, um, made my way through that. Um, and then, you know, went to Lakeside high school and continued to play club soccer at a, a reasonably high level um, and had a couple um, scholarship opportunities and decided to go the route of, of Furman, which was, you know, far and away my best option, soccer and academic wise. Um, and, you know, once I was there, I didn't have much of an idea of, of what I wanted to do. Playing professional soccer was, you know, not really factoring a lot into my decision making at that point. Right. Um, but it's 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 changed the landscape has changed a lot um even in the time since i was in college um so it's been it's been really cool to see the the evolution of of soccer um to get back to your question of you know like teams that i supported um i loved the atlanta falcons i wasn't like a huge soccer yeah. person <laughs> until like 10 or 12 years old um right. manchester united at that point was dominant um mm. and i you know, kind of fell into line with that and have kind of awesome. supported them ever since. Um, I loved Edwin Vandersar, the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, legend. Mr. Roy, young Ronaldo, um, some real, like uh, some really good teams. And that's kind of when I started falling in love with soccer and everything else kind of fell away. I played some tennis and swam and played basketball, but wasn't great at any of those things. Um, and right. not that I was great at soccer at that point either, but, uh, <laughs> enjoyed playing it a lot more and I was on a team where I you know enjoyed spending time with my friends and nice. it just wasn't like it wasn't super serious in the way that the club soccer is these days um right. we were doing it for fun our families were hanging out together these were guys that I went to you know elementary middle high school with and people mm -hmm. that I still keep in touch in touch with the, these days um so that's kind of how I started playing and, and how it started getting serious awesome yeah no that's pretty cool to hear and then um, also, I don't know if I mentioned this, but like I'm from like the Johns Creek area in Georgia. So definitely familiar with Decatur mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, I feel like people really sort of underrate the soccer culture in Georgia. Like we see a lot of guys in the draft. I know like Walker Zimmerman, I think, is from Decatur as well, right? 
Um, did, did you sort of like experience a lot of soccer culture when you were getting into it? Like, did you notice that like Georgia seemed to be like a hub for talent or was it not really like that? I didn't notice that until we started playing teams from outside of the state. And gotcha. um, I would, I did some like Olympic development stuff, which at that time right. was like, you know, the, the Mecca of youth soccer. And now it's right. not, not, not anymore, but if you're able to make like your state team, it was kind of a big deal. And early on in my youth career, I was involved with that. And we would go to like regional showcases and play other teams from the Southeast and, you know, North Carolina would give you a good game. Florida would give you a good game. Texas would usually beat you, but the rest of the teams in the Southeast, we would usually roll over. Um, so that's kind of when I realized that, you know, Atlanta and most of the guys that were on the team were from Atlanta and you had a couple mm. from, you know, South Georgia or like the mountains in North Georgia. Um, but that's when I started to realize that, you know, the youth soccer culture in Georgia is super deep. And you see it with right. the Atlanta United Academy. I mean, they crank out yeah. professional level players. Um, and there's, you know, other players that slip through the cracks there even that end up playing in college and going to to play professionally. Um, and now even just looking back at like the goalkeepers that, you know, I've played with over the years and how many of them are from Atlanta or have ties to Atlanta um it's it's pretty wild and um kind of unique for for that part of the country i think no definitely yeah it's definitely a very interesting path and you know very cool to hear about that as well and then we touched on it briefly but i do want to like go um you know dive into it um obviously like after your after your um after your high school you committed to Furman, had some really successful years there i think i read that you only lost like or like you guys won like the state title one year i think you only lost like one game that that, that, that season like what was your experience like at Furman, like sort of having like that collegiate level coaching and stuff like that like was it did you notice it was a huge step up from the high school game or what was your experience i think the record that you might be referring to is my high school team um, oh is that okay oh it is yeah, yeah. It says lakeside yeah right you're right you're right not Furman. sorry <laughs> yeah um, so uh, I want, we won a state championship in high school, which is like okay. one of my, my proudest moments. So that was awesome. Right. Um, that's awesome. I played as a center midfielder and then would hop wow. in goal for penalty kick. We <laughs> ended up in quite a bit. Um, that's so funny. it was so much fun. And I like feel bad that a lot of kids that are playing like at the Academy MLS next level don't right. have that opportunity to play soccer because for me, it was super formative. Um, in the sense that that's the first time that I, was playing under like social pressure, you know, like you're right. playing in front of your peers and people that you're in school with. Um, so I, I just like found that exciting um, and totally different than playing, you know, a big club soccer match with, you know, your parents and a couple college coaches on the side. These are the people that you're in class with all day. Um, and then, you know, thinking about where I'm at now, that's kind of a similar sort of, you know, pressure that we deal with. Um, you know, in terms of playing in front of a crowd and in the, the market that you play in, um, which is different than than the youth game. But yeah, Furman, Furman was a good experience for me. Um, we had like a really high rated recruiting class. Um, right. I was probably the lowest rated player that we had coming in. <laughs> we had like a national player of the year, um, wow. you know, people that had been involved with youth national teams. And right. unfortunately, we weren't like able to put it together to a level where we made like a deep uh, NCAA tournament run. We made the tournament once um, my senior year. But um, yeah, those teams had some really good players on them. A couple of them ended up playing professionally, um, you know, Walker Zimmerman being the the highlight of them all. Um, right. Just seeing his success has been awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
on those teams, there was probably three or four guys every year that were like, you know, I definitely want to play professional soccer no matter what. And then the rest were there for school um, or to kind of see what happens with soccer, um, which right. I think was different than a lot of like the, you know, top, top programs in college soccer, which is something that I don't think that I necessarily would have wanted at that age. Um, mm -hmm. It was nice to not feel like a ton of pressure to, you know, become a professional while you're still, you know, 18, 19 years old. Um, right. So it was a good experience for me and a good jumping off point to make the next step into professional soccer. But it's kind of a, a theme throughout my career when I look back, like every step up that you take, whether it's from, you know, youth soccer to high school soccer, high school soccer to college soccer, there's always like a first couple of weeks looking around like I have no business here. Like these guys right. are way better <laughs> than me. Um, and then, you know, you, you come to realize that they're, you know, they're just like you are. Um, they make mistakes. Um, but, you know, trusting in, in yourself goes a long way in terms of, you know, fitting into those environments. Um, but I, I definitely remember feeling that when I got to Furman, because, you know, now you're playing with guys. Um, some of them had like, you know, uh, past professional experience. Right. Some of them were from like other countries where, you know, the soccer culture is a lot more ingrained. Um, and, you know, some of them were like really top youth, youth players. Um, so like seeing that level for me was, you know, it was, it was intimidating at first, but um, once you get to know everyone and, and start playing together, it was, you know, nothing really skips a beat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I continued to develop as a goalkeeper in those years. I think it was really important that I had, you know, that, that college experience, um, that many don't have now that go directly into professional soccer, which is something that I don't think I was ready for, you know, physically, right. emotionally, um, all of those things when I was that age. So, um, it, it, you know, everyone's path is different, but that's the one that, that worked for me. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's definitely very interesting to hear. And I'm also curious, cause you mentioned that when you were in high school, you, you, you sort of like, you know, played midfield and hop in, hopped in the goal sometimes. When did like the transition to becoming like a full-time keeper, like did, like did Furman scout you for keeping specifically, or like, did you just like happen to get into that role there? Like what's, what's the story there? Um, so I would, I would play with on the field for my club team till I was probably like 13 or 14, right. um, maybe around like under 12, under 13. I remember us just like, our, we didn't have a goalkeeper. I don't remember right. what happened to our goalkeeper, but everyone was getting a shot in goal and like our best player like broke his arm um <laughs> and then the next guy had a shocker and then they threw me in and I did okay um mm -hmm. so I kind of like rotated in and out from then um and then I started you know training specifically in that position a little bit more when I was about you know 13 or 14 and started to you know meet some coaches in the area that were working with you know the top goalkeepers um at some of the bigger clubs um which for me was important to just get like that technical foundation and you know learning what the position means and your responsibilities um you know and how to carry yourself as a goalkeeper was something that I just didn't know at all um someone needs to teach you that stuff so um that was probably around 14 or 15 but Throughout my my high school career, I, I played in goal until my senior year. I'd already committed to Furman. Um, I thought that I could help the team on the field as well. You know, we had our holding midfielder also went to Furman with me, and he oh, was wow. an absolute. <laughs> like, he was my roommate for my first year in college, um, and a good awesome. friend of mine that I played with throughout like my whole youth career. But he would play behind me as the six. 
six, eight, and I'd mm-hmm. play as the 10 and I would pretty much stand at the center circle, um, mm-hmm. get the ball, spray long balls, shoot from distance. And he would just clean up my mess and it worked for us. <laughs> we ended up winning a state championship, but that's funny. You know, I, I look back now and it's so, it was so important to my development as a goalkeeper just to like want to be on the ball. Um, right. You know, to be able to use both feet and make passes and um, just be like, you know, technically sound with the ball, which is something that I think has helped me have, you know, a, a pretty long career as a goalkeeper. And it's something that I've seen change so much um, in the course of my career, just how much like that attribute is valued in goalkeepers. And I had no idea when I was that age that it would have paid off, but um, it's interesting to look back now and see how, you know, those things play out for you. Yeah. That's definitely a very interesting story, the way that worked out, like in that whole transition. So that's, very cool to hear too. So I'm wondering at Atfirm and then was it like your senior year where it really hit you that you like could take the soccer thing professionally? Like when did that sort of sink in for you? Yeah, I'd say junior or senior year. Uh, my first two years, they were pretty rough. I My freshman year, I kind of got thrown into the fire, you know, after right. a, a couple games. Did okay, um, but ended up losing my job. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next year had a pretty bad like hip injury that had me out for, you know, two months or so. So I missed the majority of the season. So I didn't feel like I really even had my feet under me till I was a junior. Um, And I I put together a pretty good season. We we had a new goalkeeper coach come in in the off season who had played at the MLS level, um, just knew what it took to, to get, to get someone to that level. And he was going to be honest with me if I had a chance and, um, you know, after that season, he's like, look, you have a shot at doing this. Um, and him and my head coach were willing to help me however they could. Um, you know, my, the, my transition from, from college to professional was not like the smoothest. Um, but I was able to make that jump. Um, and it's, you know, all due to the the coaching that I received in, in those years. Awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. So then, and then I saw that. So after, um, your time at Furman, you spent a, a little bit of time in the USL, I think. Your first contract was with um Charleston Battery, and then you ended up signing for Chicago Fire after that. Um, what was it sort of like? Like, what was your path to like? First of all, even getting signed in MLS, like, like what was your USL experience like? Right, like right after like college, like what was the sort of experience there? Yeah, so I um I was hoping to get in, invited to the MLS Combine. Um, I right. knew it was a long shot, and that didn't happen. And then, you know, I was trying to like figure out what getting an agent mint. Um, right. I had no idea <laughs> that it's all about. Um, and there's no like playbook for that. You kind of have to just figure it out yourself or talk to someone who's been through it before. And I didn't know anyone that had played, you know, professional anything before. Wow. <laughs> so um, I, I tried to figure it out on my own and mm-hmm. was, was connected with an agent through a friend and, you nice. know, he got me some open tryouts in the USL um, in my my college coach got me a trial with the battery, um, which I ended up signing with. But but before that, I was called into preseason with um, Chicago Fire. I, I just remember like being at the gym and I was working out. I was all upset that I didn't get picked in like the supplemental yeah. draft, like the eighth round when I was hoping to get picked by someone. Um, and Chicago called me and was like, hey, you know, do you want to come to preseason with us? And I was like, absolutely. I'll I'll see you there. Um, and you know, I had an okay preseason again, that feeling of like, I, these guys are so good. That's my first experience at all in a professional environment. Um, and I I did, you know, well enough, 
um, but didn't end up making the team and signed for the battery. And I thought that was going to be like, you know, the perfect jumping off point to get my foot in the door in MLS um, because I had kind of given myself, you know, like I'll give myself two years after college. And if I'm not in MLS, then I'll move into the real world. Um, right. So that was kind of the plan going into Charleston, stay there for a year, maybe two, and then hopefully be able to sign for a team in MLS. Um, you know, about two weeks before the season started with the battery, I was in good shape to, you know, start the first game of the season as a rookie, which for me was a big deal. Um, just to be getting any professional games at that age was, was, you know, something that I was super excited about. Um, mm -hmm. but I had a pretty bad knee injury, um, and then had like three surgeries on it in the course of nine wow. months after that. Um, so never played for them, never even really practiced for them um, after that point. And, you know, when you're going through that process, it's like, all right, I'll give this one more shot. But right. I don't even know if he's going to hold up. I'm, you know, 22 years, 21, 22 years old. Um, it, it was like it was pretty rough at, at that point um, in terms imagine, of yeah. like what your outlook is. Um, but I main, maintained contact with the goalkeeper coach with Chicago um, and he was like, look, if you're fit, we'll bring you into preseason. We need numbers. Um, if nothing else, you know, it's a good way for you to get into shape for another opportunity in the USL. Um, so I went in there and I, I played really well. You know, I had this mentality of like, I have nothing to lose. I'm playing with house money. Right. Um, none of these guys that I'm playing against have probably dealt with the adversity that I have in the last 12 months. So I tried to use that to my advantage. Um, and I ended up getting offered a contract. It was, you know, pretty, um, anticlimactic. I remember <laughs> being, you know, at the table with the coaching staff and them offering me the contract, but in, in the process of doing that, telling me that they had already offered it to someone else, you know, one of the other goalkeepers that was in oh, camp wow. and he yeah. didn't want it. So they're offering it to me now. <laughs> All right. oh, no. Well, thanks. Um, but I was, close. I was playing in MLS. That's awesome. Um, you know, the making the apprentice league minimum, which it was called at that time, living in a big city, um, you know, coaching on the side to make ends meet. But, right. you know, I, I felt like at that point I was, you know, I could justify some of the sacrifices that I had made because I, you know, I, I considered myself to be a professional soccer player at that point. Um, right. which was pretty cool. But it was, it was a, it was not a, a smooth ride to get to that point for sure. <laughs> No, I definitely understand. It's definitely a very unorthodox, um, like, you know, path, but nonetheless, like the adversity you face and the way you get through it, I think is very, you know, definitely inspiring to hear about. So like, you know, obviously you spent this time in, in USL, you kind of bounced around and then um, eventually we have this full circle, full circle moment where you get picked by LA United in the MLS expansion draft, you know, come home to like your, your team in their first like inaugural season. I'm just wondering, like, what were the emotions and the feelings like that first inaugural season playing at Bobby Dodd? Like, did you like expect all the hype that was there around, around that land United? And just what was it like for you personally coming back to like, you know, your home state? I, I remember seeing, you know, I, I don't even know if maybe it was Twitter. It, this was probably in like 2013 or 14, actually right. no, 2015 when they announced that they were getting the team in Atlanta. And right. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be interested to see how that goes. I saw that Arthur blank was the owner and having been right. a Falcons fan, I always thought that he like walked on water um so i thought the team would do well and be well run um but you know being a part of that team at that point in my career was a 
a, a pipe dream. Um, right. You know, especially with the way that MLS works, like even if you're a top player and you want to go play somewhere in the league, you know, there, it's so much, there's so much more than that that goes into it. Um, it's almost impossible to, you know, move around the league freely, um, especially when you're under a certain age and it played for a certain amount of time. So, um, you know, I was just happy to be, be playing for the fire at that point. I'd kind right. of been a third goalkeeper there for three years, um, made my MLS debut, like right before I ended up, um, leaving, um, played probably like 30, 40 games on loan in the USL, which was huge to get some professional experience and, you know, prove to myself that I could cut it at that level. Um, and also use that as kind of a, a shop window for other teams. Um, if you're playing well on loan and you're not getting an opportunity with the team that you're on, maybe it's, it would make sense to bring someone like, you know, myself in, um, to right. strengthen the goalkeeper at another club. Um, so things with the fire didn't work out. Um, and I ended up going to sporting Kansas city, which was a great right. year. I ended up playing like 10, ML eight, eight or 10 MLS games, a few open cup games, nice. um, champions league. And it was just, it was great. You know, I, I love that organization and the locker room was fantastic. Um, I just grew a lot as a person, as a goalkeeper in such a short amount of time there. And I had signed a new contract and was hoping to stay there for, you know, 2017 and potentially 2018. Um, and I had like just moved into a new apartment. Um, and was like excited to be back in, in Kansas city and, right. um, you know, was more comfortable there and had some, some good friends on the team and had met some people there. Um, and I was, I just remember being like at, at lunch with Sean Johnson, um, who's also yeah. from Atlanta that I've been good friends with for a long time. I played with him with the fire, um, and we had just like worked out or trained and we're having lunch. And, um, I didn't even know that the expansion draft for Atlanta United was going on. Um, but my, my phone starts buzzing and it's my agent who, wow. you know, you talk to your agent and very rarely, and usually it's when something's happening. Um, and it kind of like clicked in my mind that the expansion draft's going on. So he calls wow. me to tell, tell me, look, Atlanta's taking you in the expansion draft. Um, let's give it, you know, the rest of the day before you like really get too excited because, you know, Kansas City could buy your rights back or Atlanta could trade you to another team. Um, let's just see how it goes. Um, so my head's completely spinning. I'd Right. I'd moved into a place in Kansas City like a week before and had slept there for one night. Um, so I was like incredibly excited, but also like, geez, I have to move again. You know, I'd, I'd moved right. a lot at that point in my career. <laughs> um, but once I had kind of, you know, let it sink in a little bit and talked to my parents and, you know, my brother and all my close friends who ended up being like huge Atlanta United fans, um, mm -hmm. you know, it started to become real. Um, and then I got into preseason and, you know, looked around at the other goalkeepers and was like, this is the best chance that I'm, you know, ever going to have to, to play the season opener. Um, right. I just felt like I was in a good, good space mentally, um, had continued to get better as a goalkeeper and was kind of ready for this opportunity. Um, so, you know, throughout preseason, you kind of hear rumblings about how the team's going to do um, in terms of like attendance and hype and, all of that, you know, obviously the players that they had brought in were, were, you know, unproven, but big names, um, in the world, in the world market. 
and people that, you know, had a lot of potential, but it remained to be seen if that model of, you know, buying young South American players was going to work in MLS. Cause I mean, it, teams had tried it maybe one or two players, but not, you know, hedging most of your starting lineup on that model. Mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't sure how it was going to work. I, I know that the club wasn't sure how it was going to work out, but I remember we had like our first preseason game in like Chattanooga or something. Um, and there was like thousands of people outside the stadium. Like, wow, that's awesome. You know, ushering us in on the bus. Um, they had like a whole tunnel lined up for us to walk onto the field. And I was like, wow, this is, this is the real deal. Like this is going to be a big deal. Um, and then I think maybe like a week or two later, the season opener had already sold out, which was like 55,000 yeah. people um, at Bobby Dodd. And, you know, then it was kind of just a waiting game. Like, let's get to that, that season opener. Cause yeah, um, it was kind of like hanging over our heads for a long time and we were all ready to get started. But um, yeah, for me personally, it was a whirlwind. Um, and, you know, I, I would call it a dream come true, but like, it's even too, too far fetched to be that. Um, right. So the, the first half of that season was fantastic. Picked up an injury. Um, didn't play a, a ton after that, but mm-hmm. um, had a really good, you know, time and for five years in Atlanta, the first time that I'd had any real stability in my career in terms of right. terms of staying somewhere for a long time. And to have that in my hometown with everything that comes with that is, you know, something that was, was wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. No, that's something very good to hear. And I think it's just like, so cool how that, you know, the, the, the career like sort of just like worked out in that way. Like, I think it's like a very cool story. So definitely cool to get the behind the scenes of that. And I'm just wondering, like in that first season, or even just like at any time at the MLS, did you have like a like a, like a welcome to the league moment where a moment you were just like, wow, like I'm really here, like whether it be like someone on the pitch that you were like starstruck by, or like maybe like, you know, a goal gets scored on you that like you didn't expect and just like, oh my God, I'm really here. Like, does anything sort of come to mind when I talk about stuff like that? Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think I played a, a game for Kansas City and it was on like Fox, like Big Fox. Oh and yeah, I was like, okay. this is a big like everyone can watch this game. Um yeah. <laughs> and it was a sold out stadium um playing awesome. against a team that had been pretty competitive up to that point and I did I did well and I was like all right, this is awesome. Like this is what I want to do for as long as I can. Um but I, I do remember in that inaugural season with Atlanta United, we went up and played New York City at Yankee Stadium and they wow. smacked yeah. us. Like <laughs> we tried to play out of the back, it didn't work. Um, they had David Villa at that point. I remember right. early in the first, they played like a, you know, four or five one touch passes, like right at the corner of our box. And he just whipped wow. one into the top corner. And I like had no chance. Um, <laughs> I was at that point, I was like, you know, pretty starstruck by playing against a guy of that caliber, but also like, wow, we're, we're in for a long one today, um, which it turned out to be. But yeah, that, that, that I would say I was a little bit, awestruck by him also Juvenko, right. like playing right him was was cool he was such a unique player uh and um you know really brought a lot to the league while he was here awesome yeah no I, I think it's very cool to hear about that like David Diego and stuff like that and I guess that sort of brings up me up to my next question um I guess it's a two-sided one here but um one what's like if you have like a favorite save you've made whether it's like in college whether it's professional is there anything that sticks out in your mind in terms of that and also what do you think is the best goal that goal that was ever scored against you if there's anything that's like special there um 
I think like the, probably the coolest save that I've made was last year for Cincinnati and Atlanta. Um, right. To yeah. Keep it there. Um, that was pretty cool for a lot of reasons, you know, having played there, um, trying to establish myself as a member of this new team with Cincinnati um, and, you know, having a moment where you have a, a real impact on the result of a game is right. You know, something that goalkeepers only dream of. So, um, to have that happen in that setting was was really cool, and that's one that definitely comes to mind. Um, what, what was the second part of your question? Do you have, is is there like a like what's the best goal that was ever scored against you? Like like anything just crazy that just comes to mind when I say that? I'm trying to think. I mean that the Davia <laughs> goal is just up there for me. Yeah, that's like that's um, like that, that seems pretty hard to beat, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was like I was probably goal of the week. I, I don't know if it was yeah. like a goal of the year candidate, but. Um, right pretty pretty spectacular yeah awesome. i've had some some bangers with me in training but yeah um, <laughs> not not too games yeah that's funny and then you know so so we talked like about like a lot of the specifics about like atlanta about kansas city and stuff like that i'm wondering just on a more just like general basis who are just some players like that, that you've like played with throughout mls whether they're keepers or other guys on the pitch like who are some like underrated names for you like people you feel like don't get enough respect but you notice them like you try to like model your game after <clears throat> Um, not someone that I've necessarily modeled my game after because that's impossible sure. to do, but he was very underrated in my opinion. And probably, I mean, I can't think of a better, ML, a better MLS midfielder that's ever played and the results kind of speak for themselves, but Darlington Nagby was, oh yeah, was so good and such a pivotal part of the success that Atlanta had in 2018 and 19, um, and on top of that, just a class act on and off the field, um, right. you know, the, one of the best teammates you could imagine, but also just so good. Um, he's the one that, that comes to mind for me, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, goalkeeper wise training and playing with Brad Gazan was, was amazing. Right. You know, someone That's that awesome. I watched as a, as a young player coming through, um, and, you know, him being someone that I aspire to be like um, and then having the opportunity to to play with him and, you know, share a locker room with him for for five years was amazing, you know, to see how he led people and players and treated people um, for me, you know, helped me grow as a person in a big way and as a goalkeeper. Um, so those are two people that that come to mind. Awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool to, cool to hear as well. And, you know, sharing a locker room with someone like Guzan in Atlanta, that's like an amazing experience. So um, are you guys like close? Like, is there any like, cool advice or stuff like that that he gave you when you like got into the league? Or like, what was your experience with Brad like? Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely a colleague and a friend. Um, awesome. There's a, a, a bond between goalkeepers that is it, tough to replicate in other right. <laughs> positions, other sports, I think. Um, just because, you know, we understand what goes into the preparation and the pressure um, and, and all the things that make goalkeeping different than the other positions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think he's someone that, you know, took me under his wing and, and tried to help me as much as he could, whether it be career advice or, you know, personal advice or, or whatever it would be. He's he's as good as they come uh, on and off the field. Awesome. Yeah. And it's very cool to hear about this like bond between goalkeepers and stuff like that. So I guess this is a very just like general question, but I wanted to get your perspective on it. Um, in terms of just like, things like the ball and door and the player of the year and stuff like that, 
do you does it like upset you when people don't like necessarily like put like goalkeepers near the top of that list or the fact that they can't necessarily win and it's always strikers or what's like your whole perspective on like that whole like thing um i don't know if it like upsets me it's right, just not yeah. really time um, I get that, because yeah. goalkeepers get no respect uh exactly <laughs> soccer um and that's kind of the way that i i it's kind of always been and i don't really see it changing um, right the way that i see it is that we almost play a different sport than the other 10 players on the field um, we obviously have to, be able to do a lot of the things that they do but if you look at the way that we train um it, it's totally different than the way that they approach training um, the intensity, the demands on our body and our minds um, are completely different. And that's why I love goalkeeping and what has kept me around for so long. Um, but it's also a reason why I think people don't understand it that aren't involved in it. Um, and that's probably why it's easy to, you know, undervalue goalkeepers, because when they're doing their job, um, you know, oftentimes they're they're not as, as well noticed as when they make mistakes right. and they're the reason that this um and i think that is all resolved in like the you know awards and things like that um and i, I don't really see that changing unfortunately <laughs> right no i just thought i'd ask because that's i just found that funny but um you know just speaking of like 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 goalkeeping like i think like so you are the first goalkeeper that i've had on the pod uh, i'm pretty sure so it's cool to just sort of get your side of things one thing i wanted to like talk about too was just like your approach to penalties whether it's a shootout or just like pks in a game um, in terms of just like which way you're gonna like guess the striker goes, is that like all database now? Like, do you pretty much have in your mind where you're gonna go before the striker is up there, or is it just like a in the moment kind of thing? Like, do you try to read this, read the person taking it and stuff? It's a bit of both. Um, yeah. You know, I think we try to do our best to make an educated guess based on the data that we have and our right. feeling in the moment. Um, you know, we have access to every penalty that every player has ever taken. Mm -hmm. um, so. You know, if there's a trend, we're going to see it. But, you know, trends are not always the way that things are going to play out um, in right. reality. Um, and oftentimes, you know, split second decisions from goalkeepers in the moment are the reasons that they make huge saves on penalties. Um, That's true. But I, I would say the, the best way to answer that is that it's an, an educated guest based on, right. you know, the video that we have and, um, you know, the history of the player and the goalkeeper, potentially, if they've had penalties against each other. Um, also, like the time of the game, I think, affects people's decision making in terms of where they place the ball and how hard they hit it. Um, right. Or even the scoreline. You know, if you're taking a penalty in a 3-0 game to make it 3-1 or 4-0, it's a little bit different than taking penalty a penalty in stoppage time of a 1-1 game. Um, to win it so I think those factors also weigh in on what an attacker is going to do no that definitely makes sense are you like are you one of those guys that when it comes to penalties that it's like you like try to like get in like the striker's head maybe like talk to him and stuff like that or are you more of just like a you know just just guess and go along with it um I'm I'm not a big trash talker okay um, it's not, <laughs> not really um, but I think, I you that. know, trying to make yourself as big as you can in the goal definitely helps your case to make the goal look a right. bit smaller for them um, and make those 12 yards look a little bit more like, you know, 15 or 16, which will give us a better chance of making a save. Um, right. So I think that kind of how you can get in my method of, of getting an attacker's head um, rather than, you know, kicking the penalty spot or, right. um, <laughs> you know, talking at the penalty spot, which doesn't really suit me as well. <laughs> awesome well yeah that's something very cool to hear as well it's like it's cool to see like sort of the behind the scenes of how that works but 
yeah, we've talked about your high school, college career, what it was like growing up in Georgia and all like that. Very cool to hear about your MLS experience, especially just, you know, being an Atlanta United fan, the Atlanta years, like it's so cool to hear about. Um, I guess like, like, you know, we've touched on like most of the parts of your career. We end our episodes with something called the back four quiz. So I have like four episodes, I mean, four episodes, four questions, just like little bits of trivia about your career and small stuff like that. And at the end, we'll see how many you get right. And um, yeah, if you're good, we can go ahead and start with that. Sounds good. Awesome. Perfect. So for the first question, it's related to your time at Furman. Um, I think that so the sports teams at Furman, they go by the Furman Paladins. Do you know what a Paladin is? A Paladin is a Christian knight. Yeah, there we go. That's number one. There we go. Right. Apparently, I don't know how how this is going to affect your podcast rating, but apparently it used to be the Furman University Christian Knights, which obviously creates some issues with the acronym. So I think that's the word I I heard, but but that could be an urban legend. That's hysterical. Oh my God. Very funny to hear, but okay. Yeah. Off to a great start. One for one. Let's see if you can get it, keep it going. So this one's actually also related to your time at Furman, maybe a bit more difficult, but we'll see if you can do it. But can you name three famous uh, Furman alumni that are like very important in the soccer world? Oh, easy. Um, okay, Clint Dempsey, Ricardo Clark, yep. Walker Zimmerman. Oh, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, those, those are the three that come to me. Awesome. Yeah, no, definitely lots of history. I, I, I'm just curious. Did you like have any like interactions with like any of like, like, like Clint Dempsey or like Walker like during your time at Furman? Like, is there a big alumni connection to the soccer team or what's that like? Um, I've played against Clint Dempsey, but haven't spoken right. to him about our common time at, at Furman or really right. Ricardo Clark, even though he is an Atlanta guy as well. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I know Walker from youth soccer. He's a couple That's years awesome. younger than um, and I played with him for a season um, when he was a freshman and I was a senior. Um, so I got to to see him before he became the Walker Zimmerman that he's known as now. Um, yeah. So it's it's That's been cool. so cool to see him develop as a player, as a person to to become, you know, one of the best goal, one of the best uh, center backs, if not in North America, then, you know, potentially in the world in the coming years. So it's been really cool to see. Awesome. Yeah, definitely very cool to hear as well. So for two for two, you're doing really well right now. And we'll see if you can keep this going. So third question, maybe a little bit more difficult. And we kind of touched on it earlier. But do you remember what round of the MLS expansion draft Atlanta United drafted you? I think I was the fifth round. There we go. Yeah, exactly. It was the fifth round, December 13th, 2016. Atlanta United picked you in the fifth round. Yeah. So there we go. Three for three. Damn, but usually, usually people don't really do it well in this, so I'm kind of impressed, honestly, man. Maybe I should have. Okay, this last one is a little bit hard, though, I think. So we'll see if we can get it or not. But I was just looking up some Decatur trivia and stuff like that, like cool stuff in the area, just whatever random stuff. I found out that Decatur has like a city motto that apparently is like, you know, what it goes by. Do you know the motto of Decatur? Ooh. I should know this because I think my fiance has a bumper sticker on the back of her car with it. Oh, really? <laughs> but... I think it, I mean, where it's greater is what would come to mind, but I don't think that's probably it. That's not, so the one I found is, it's, it's kind of odd to be honest, but it says a city of homes, schools, and places of worship is the Decatur motto. <laughs> yeah, I would have never got that. <laughs> that oh my God. 
but yeah, no, that was the top one ended up. Three for four, really good performance, we'll say, we'll say, honestly. But um, yeah, um, Alec, it was really good to talk to you about your career. I feel like you had some really cool stories, really cool analysis on like the penalties and stuff like that. And I'm really excited to see where your career takes you from here, but it's definitely been a very memorable one. So thanks so much for making the time, man. I really enjoyed talking. My pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Take care. Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in to the On Soccer Podcast. Be sure to check us out on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at On Soccer Podcast, and check out our YouTube videos as well. Thanks.